Hello, ladies and gentlemen, this is Claudia Monicelli with another episode of Multiple Voices. My Multiple Voices podcast, true to its name, includes different series. For example, we have the Voices of Love, where we discuss relationships, the voice of empowerment, the voice of laughter and play, the voice of pleasure, and the magical voice of archetypes and how they change the way we live. But we also have the voice of memory that includes everything from history to discussions of past life regression. There's also writing voices where we interview both seasoned writers and authors who have just started getting their feet wet with writing and we learn what can work for you as potential writers. Our series called Voice of the Spirit discusses different forms of spirituality and religion. And then Channeling Voices is a series that covers what happens when you channel, but is also extended to mediumship. Take a moment to review this podcast if you've enjoyed listening, and leave a hearty five stars. I'd appreciate it. Enjoy your listening. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, this is Claudia Monicelli, and I'm here again with another episode. And today I have with me Mike Duffy. Say hello, Mike, to our audience. Hello, Claudia. It's a pleasure to be here. Oh, it's my pleasure to have you. Um, Who is Mike? Mike is a philanthropist and um, an author of five books, the author of five books. One of them is called The Happiness Book, A Positive Guide to Happiness, The Happiness Book for Men and The Happiness Book for Kids, Volumes 1 and 2, and a number of others. He's given um, a TEDx talk at TEDx Berkeley, and he loves to talk about how you can gain greater happiness and joy in your life. He's also the CEO of Happiness Wealth Management at San Carlos, California. Now, uh, there is an area of um, your background that has to do with Merrill Lynch and money management techniques. Why don't you gloss over that before we get into the swing of things here when I can bombard you with a successive questions? Well, I have been helping people make the most of their money for 30 years now. And I opened up Happiness Wealth Management to help people be happy with their money. So let's say uh, you acted as a financial consultant or is that more? Is there a different spin to it? I'm a trusted family advisor when it comes to their money. Okay, okay, a family advisor. Um, You started the Hall of Fame, and what is that all about, the Happiness Hall of Fame? So that is my 501c3 nonprofit. We celebrate, recognize, and encourage people and organizations that make other people happy. Mm -hmm. So in the hall, I got to spend a couple of hours many years ago with Muhammad Ali to induct him personally. We have the Make-A-Wish Foundation, the Wounded Warrior Project, Serena Williams, Steph Curry, the Golden State Warriors, many authors like Mark Victor Hansen, who's the co-author of Chicken Soup for the Soul, Dr. Fred Luskin, Forgive for Life, just wonderful people who make other people happy. Yeah. Now, uh, usually... What happens when people come on my show, it's common, not common practice, what I find is that people have a topic, they have a background, they have experience in something particular, and they package it in the form of a 
key word like in this case what I see emerges all the time is happiness but the road to that is long and winding what's a nice guy like you talking about happiness why why are you doing that well look I you know we're going to talk today about resilience as well mm-hmm. now uh the reason why I'm even speaking to you today is because sometimes in tragic events like the death of my mother when I was 17, mm-hmm. something that can be so terrible can lead to something beautiful if you let it. Sure. So, you know, to me, resilience is instead of thinking of the bad things that happen in life, saying this has permanently damaged me, this has scarred me, I am contaminated, I cannot go forward. I I tend to look at things as this happened for me, not Mm -hmm. to me. Mm -hmm. This will make me stronger as a result of this. So something as terrible as losing your mom at a young age. When that happened, I was in a state of depression. Mm -hmm. Both of my parents had a sixth grade education. They were Irish immigrants. There was Mm -hmm. no money for therapy. Right. So I got a degree in psychology to help me climb out of this. I read every single thing on happiness, success, and resilience. It has been my passion. And today and for many years, I share the secrets to living a happy life as a result of something that happened that just, you know, really Mm -hmm. set me back for a little while. That word resilience um, brings to mind, I'm a linguist, uh, professionally, uh, academically, and it brings to mind... uh, fighting back, coming back, something having to do with strength and endurance almost. And to have it back to back to happiness is is quite interesting for me. Um, Resilience is, in the way you've just explained it, the ability to come back from something that apparently seems negative, right? Where is is there more to resilience that I'm not hearing? Well, as it relates to happiness, all day long, our human brains are flooded with thoughts, emotions, and ideas. A lot of them are negative. That is to protect us, Mm -hmm. that we see what's wrong in the world so that we can avoid it. Mm -hmm. That is our ancient brain. We cannot stop those thoughts of negativity. However, we can ignore those thoughts. Mm -hmm. What a lot of folks don't understand is that happiness is a choice. Mm -hmm. You must choose to be resilient and happy all throughout the day on a moment by moment basis. Mm -hmm. So it is an active choice. It is a decision making process. Now, you spoke of your parents as uh, immigrants and not enough money to bring around. And so they're from there to philanthropy, that's a big wide jump. Do you care to fill in the blanks there and tell us how you also, a nice boy like you, got into that? First of all, being 54 years old and saying you're a nice boy, I take that as the highest compliment. Of course, of I cannot course. thank you enough. It's Claudia, meant, thank you. You're welcome. You're a child uh, compared to me. You know, look, uh, the Irish are givers. They yeah. just are. I've been, I've, we were supposed to never spend so much time here in the United States. We're always supposed to go home. Although the Irish have been conquered for many years and, and had to live under English rule, a jackboot to the throat, mm-hmm. they didn't let that come down. They are mm-hmm. some of the happiest people you will ever meet. Mm-hmm. Money has nothing to do with happiness. 
Mm-hmm. Okay. So I was raised pretty much without money, mm-hmm. but with a ton of happiness. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and they were experts on getting by with a little, but always having a laugh in their heart. Right. I remember growing up in the seventies and whenever a comedian would come on, you know, I would, I would yell out or somebody would, would yell out, you know, Rodney Dangerfield's on the Mike Douglas show. Mm-hmm. You know, we'd all come running. You know, uh, Frank Sinatra is, and by the way, I did get to see Frank Sinatra when I was 14. Uh, (laughs) We went to Carnegie Hall and we had people coming in from England, from Ireland, big influence in my house. We're Sinatra people. Look, I grew up in New Jersey where Frank Sinatra came from, his hunting ground. So, Claudia, I'm preaching to the choir over here. Yeah. No, you are preaching to the choir. I came off the boat. My parents immigrated to the United States. I was six months old. So I'm first oh. generation. So so I know what you're you're talking about. And there's one thing my dad always said, you know, we may not have money, but boy are we lucky. <laughs> <laughs> this lucky, lucky aspect kept following us. So then you obviously went through a series of years where you worked. What was your first, because you mentioned psychology, and that too is a distance from uh, the work that you did as a financial consultant or a family, trusted family advisor, as you mentioned. So I I have this sort of black hole here. Who is the real Mike Duffy? I'm a Renaissance man. <laughs> I knew you live was, in the land of the Renaissance I knew he was going to say something like that. <laughs> right. So, you know, we all have multiple talents, right? And it's it's up to us to identify them. What what value do I bring to the world? Mm-hmm. That's what, you know, my happiness formula is P plus P equals H. Mm-hmm. Purpose, and we all have multiple purposes in our lives, not just one, plus progress. You must take massive action steps in your purpose, and that's when happiness shows up, right? So I, I had an exercise, and, and for anybody that can hear the sound of my voice, what I yeah. would love you to do right now is to take out a paper and a pen or on your iPhone in the notes section, write down the multiple purposes of your life. So for me, when I went through this exercise a dozen years ago, I wrote down, be a great husband to my wife, Shannon. Be a great father to my two kids. Be a great financial advisor to my clients. And then on the right side of the page, write down action steps. So to be a great husband and my wife, every Saturday night was date night in my house. I got the babysitter. I had multiple babysitters. So if one canceled, I always had someone to step in. And then I would say to my wife, where do you want to go tonight? What restaurant do you want to eat at? What would make you happy this evening? Because my father, who read a book a week, when I got married, he said, Mike, in love relationships, it's like this at the beginning. It's so, your budding hands. Right. The, the audience um, usually cannot see, the, but those yeah. of you who don't see, he has his hands up and his fingers are one next to the no- another, like budding heads. They're yeah. in opposition, the two hands. Yeah. And over time, you become as one. Right. Now, what does that mean? Joining the that hands and fingers. Mm-hmm. When you become as one, you don't want to hurt yourself. 
So you won't say mean things to your wife or your spouse. You want to elevate that person because you're elevating yourself. You see, the law of reciprocity states mm -hmm. that when you are kind and you are gentle with somebody else, mm -hmm. they will want to reciprocate and be good to you. So it's almost a selfish act. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's what I was, I was going to add, that it's almost a selfish act. Um, now, we have uh, Mike, who's the Renaissance man. We've got the Renaissance man. I get that. And um, what what is odd not odd what's interesting is that i see a vein of spirituality crossing all these hats or all these uh, roles and gifts that you have and that is a basic uh, element it seems in your life has it been uh, the, the sense of spirituality or religion was it important in your family's life when you grew up i almost became a mara's brother so uh, I was what, in the contact I'm sorry, can program. you explain that to us? Sure. Ameris Brother is a teaching order that was founded in France in the late 1700s. Mm -hmm. So I went to Archbishop Malloy uh, High School in Queens. Uh -huh. I was born in Brooklyn. And, you know, I used to volunteer my summers up at their retreat center uh, on the Hudson River. And we would work with cancer kids, uh, adults with intellectual disabilities. Um, and the feeling of joy at the end of that week, you know, I remember I was helping uh, for two weeks straight uh, a boy that was trapped in his own body with very advanced MS. He, he was frozen and I would have to take him out of his wheelchair and mm -hmm. care for him and shower him. And the feeling of giving, you see, a thousand years ago, St. Augustine said that it is in giving that we receive. So I said, you know what? I've always wanted to be married and have kids, but if I could give that up, I would want to dedicate my life to a life of giving, a life of poverty, all for others. And I was in the Maris program, and then I went to Georgia Tech and I studied electrical engineering, and I did what normal college kids did, and uh, I, <laughs> I, I realized that a life of celibacy was not for me. Okay. Uh, and I found my soulmate, you know, years later mm -hmm. in my wife. I'm, I'm so grateful for that. So that was my path mm -hmm. to be married. But I do have a homeless outreach that brings me joy. Mm -hmm. And I inducted Mother Teresa's Missionaries of Charity into the hall. Mm -hmm. And they had to get approval from India in order to accept the award. Of course. And I asked them to come out to Stanford University where we have an annual big celebration, 300 people, open bar, food. It's, mm -hmm. it's, it's like a big wedding. And people come that get inducted and they talk about their story and how other people can get happy as a result mm -hmm. of their work. Yeah, and, and they told me, because I had given them two dozen cupcakes, mm -hmm. and I wanted the nuns to have a great dessert that night. And I handed it to the Mother Superior, and she goes, our friends on the street will really appreciate these cupcakes. And if ever in your life a word or a phrase absolutely touched you, it was at that moment that I stopped seeing people on the street as down on their luck, and started seeing them as friends. And so today, most days I go out, 
I see my friends on the street. I pray with them right on the street. I know their names. Mm -hmm. I support them financially, and it brings me great joy. Let's. Is it possible to give a definition to happiness? There's joy. There's pleasure. There's happiness. In in since happiness is the key word here, can you give us a definition, a more specific definition? My definition is contented excitement. Mm -hmm. And how can When someone know? Content, mm -hmm. Well, it just it. I, I think it's an individual feeling. For me, mm -hmm. that's what it is, mm -hmm. right? Because if I'm trying to label an emotion, we all experience emotions differently. Mm -hmm. So when I am happiness, I am excited and I feel content. Uh, you know, worry and anxiousness cannot occupy the same space as happiness. So there is no worry. You feel content, you feel grateful, and you're excited that you're making progress in your purpose. Mm -hmm. Have you personally, and this is coming from left field, this question, have you personally ever experienced living on the streets yourself? Has that ever occurred to you out of choice or out of necessity? No, mm -hmm. uh, I, I've been very grateful for the life that I have led. I have never, I have never known as an adult that situation. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And um, I ask myself often uh, that perhaps many people choose to have that kind of lifestyle. Uh, in my practice, numerous, I've met numerous people who have chosen that for themselves, which is, you know, I, I cannot judge, but I still have a difficulty in wrapping my head around that. Um, so g getting back to the religious side to your story, uh, you deal with a lot of people, you come across so many different ethnic backgrounds, um, uh, lifestyles as well. Can you say that there is a direct line, a direct connection between a sense, a strong sense of spirituality and happiness? You know, when you when you don't have to worry about where you're going for eternity, mm -hmm. it sets you free, right? I know where I will be for eternity. So when you know when when it for other folks that don't have that assurance, mm -hmm. they have to worry about what's going to happen when I die. Mm -hmm. That never crosses my mind. So it frees me to not be stuck in a situation or in a mental capacity that is circular. What happens when I die? I, I am now free to go out and to live the life that I've always dreamed of, to take the limits off, to know that I have a God mm -hmm. that loves me and wants me to be happy. A lot of Christians don't understand that concept. Yeah. But in the Bible, you know, Jesus was asked, uh, Jesus said, you know, would you as a father, if your son asked for an egg, give him a scorpion? No. So the father in, in heaven would not do the same. So we are, are loved. We, we have an abundance that is given to us. Understand that each breath is a gift. Mm -hmm. The fact that you have conscious thought is a gift. And if you are stuck, you can get unstuck. Mm -hmm. 
because the Father wants you to be happy and have a life in abundance. Yeah. One last question, um, Mike. Has you uh, mentioned um, in the uh, work that you sent me in, in the information the key word of success? What is success for you? Success for me is being able to have value to give to the world and to be able to make progress in my multiple purpose. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Is there one thing, and our life is still, I mean, you're a boy, like I said, a nice boy sitting here having a chat with me. Um, so our life is relatively long. There are many, 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 many decades to come. Um, do you have, in Italian we say, uh, a dream hidden away in a drawer? Do you have a dream somewhere hidden away that still hasn't been, that still hasn't materialized? Well, I'm making a movie. Ah, good for and you. That movie, that movie has not, um, has not come to fruition yet. Uh -huh. But I have no anxiety or nervousness about it. I have interviewed some of the most amazing people in the world and uh, COVID has set that back. But the way I look at it is, you know, I ask people two questions for the movie. Mm -hmm. What makes you happy? Yeah. And how can the average person increase their happiness? Mm -hmm. And I've gotten amazing uh, answers. And they've all been different, which is funny, because mm -hmm. I thought that there'd be people be repeating the ah. same thing. Ah. Um, Give us a sampling. So, Give us a sampling. The two, you know, on opposite ends of the spectrum that surprised you. Sure. So I interviewed uh, uh, Ann Wojcicki, mm -hmm. who's one of the wealthiest women in the entire world. She mm -hmm. was married to Sergey Brin, who's the founder of, you know, the co-founder of Google. She is the founder of 23andMe, the genetic testing mm -hmm. service. Um. I said, you know, what makes you happy? And uh, she said, it, you know, it's not money. Mm -hmm. um, she actually enjoys saving money. Uh, and, you know, because she didn't come from money. Mm -hmm. So here she's catapulted into this amazing wealth that the world has never seen before. Yeah. And yet she loves a good deal. Yeah, sure. <laughs> Don't we all? Right? So <laughs> yeah. who, who would have thought that? Yeah. Right? Who would have thought that? Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I think that that's, that's what's coming to mind right now. Um, that that was the most shocking. But, uh, you know, it's, uh, and I heard, I heard great stories, like, for example, when I inducted Muhammad Ali into the hall, his wife told me a story about how the world didn't know the real Muhammad Ali, when, and, and, Sports Illustrated called him the sportsman of the century, uh -huh. right? If you're the greatest sportsman of a hundred year period, right. you're doing something very special, right. right? And she said, what the personal persona of Muhammad Ali was, was nothing like who he was as a man. Mm -hmm. That was to sell tickets and it was extremely effective, yeah. right? But Muhammad Ali, the real person, was most, one of the most gentle and giving people. For example, when they lived in Beverly Hills, they sell star maps. Mm -hmm. And so you get these star maps and you know exactly where these famous people in Beverly Hills live. Right. Well, sometimes people would get off a bus from Kansas City, get the star map and go up to Muhammad Ali's house and, and knock on the door. 
And she says, I would try to run to the door because if Muhammad got there before me, he would invite them in. <laughs> and he would say, oh, we're, we're going to have lunch. We're going to have dinner. Why don't you stay? Yeah. And oftentimes at dinner, he would say, so where are you staying? And they would say, oh, I just got off a bus from Kansas City. I've got nowhere to stay. He goes, yes, you do. You're staying with us. <laughs> and they would be there for the weekend or a week. And she goes, I would wait for Muhammad to go into town. And I would hear his Cadillac going down the street. And I would run to the blinds. And as soon as they made a left, I would turn around to this weirdo who's staying with us and say, you're out. And they'd be like, but Muhammad said I could stay here as long as I wanted. Yeah. Muhammad's not here. And then Muhammad would come back and be like, where's Jerry? And she'd say, oh, you know, Jerry, classic Jerry, got to keep on rolling. So, you know, that's a story I'd never heard before. Yeah, yeah. Well, and there must be so many other stories. Thank you so much for coming and visiting us here on Multiple Voices. I really appreciate you taking the time, Mike. Well, Claudia, it's a joy. And it's so nice to see somebody go back to their roots, especially beautiful Rome. Yeah. So the next time you have that wonderful Italian coffee, think <laughs> of me. I will. And be happy. <laughs> I will. Bye-bye. <laughs> and thanks again, Mike. Take care, Claudia.